Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Don't look so nervous. I'm not even looking at you and I can see you look nervous. I want to talk, uh, I want to discuss this evening just quickly about um, legacy with you, your legacy. Like, what are you going to be remembered for? Um, I remember I remember once I was on the phone, I think I was on the phone to M, and we were, we were sorting something out, and I drove past the graveyard. And I said, M, there's all these, it was you? It was you, yeah. And I was like, wow, M, I'm driving past this graveyard, all these dead people everywhere. And she's like, that's gross, I don't really... I don't really want to, why are we talking about that? And I said, I'm pretty, I want to pull over and just read some of what it says on the tombstone. I think it's going to have a birth date and an end date, and I wonder whether yours is just going to be the same. Or whether something significant will have been written on there. Will anyone remember you a year after you've been buried? Have you, have you done anything significant with your life to the place where when you, when you finally put in that box or cooked or however you're going to choosing to go that's on you however like will people miss I know they're going to cry on day one but on year one will they still be crying will it affect them so I miss that person that changed my life right and so there's really two kinds of people in in this world there's those who had a great start to life and those had a terrible start some people really were it was like they were born with like a silver spoon in their mouth what I found though is that doesn't really give them a head start it just makes it harder sometimes. And I listen to people's stories, and if I'm honest, I'm absolutely shocked. I'm shocked that some people even come back to church. That, that is the truth. I really am shocked. And the more people I'm talking to, and the more, the more I'm asking better questions, the more I'm finding out, I'm shocked that just about any of you come to church anymore. You've, you've gone through so much in life. So much has happened. So much abuse and pain, and uh, there's just so much. These narcissistic relationships, and, and and people are just so they're just so ugly. They just do so many things. There's medical conditions, and there's uh, divorce, and financial setbacks, and, and that's not even talking about the things like I, there was a plan, and I was on track, and now I feel like I'm way off track, and I don't even know how that happened. And, and it's just it's not okay. It's not okay. And I look at people in the church and I'm, I'm more and more astonished. Because the same thing that's happening to you is happening to everyone else. I said to, I've said this many times, but just recently to somebody, I said, just so you know, your story is real to you, but it's not unique. You're not the only person this has ever happened to. Some of what you're going through, what you've been through, has happened to many people. And it, it, it's painful for many people. You just don't ask anybody about what they've ever gone through. And so you think you're alone. And then the enemy isolates you and makes you feel alone, right? It's like, uh, I, remember, I remember my brother, he was standing in a, in a youth group once. And he said to the guys, just a show of hands here. Anybody here who's just sort of bound by pornography? And all the hands, like all those boys were like, no way am I putting up my hand. No way, man. I'm like 13. You've got no chance not going to happen. And he said, because I'm going to pray. I'll pray for you. So if, you, if that's you, just raise your hand. Not a hand went up. I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be interesting. I was sitting there too. He said, I'm going to pray for two things. I'm going to pray for those that raised their hands that God would release them from that this evening. And for the rest of you, I'm going to pray that if you lied, that you keep that thing forever. 
Yo's hands went up so quick. I've never seen so many hands shoot up. It's just like, I was like, well played, bro. He's like, he's like stop thinking that you were the only person whose hand was going to go up. Look around. Everyone in the room was struggling with the very same thing. They were all fighting the same thing, but everyone felt alone. And that's a, it's a great strategy for the enemy. If he can make you feel alone, he can isolate you. And so the world around us, they go through the same things we're going through, except they seem to be buckling under the pressure. And then you look at the people of God, and under the, in the same situation, I'm not saying it's easier, but they're rising to the top. They're coming through this thing. They're making it. They're coming forward. They, they're just saying, like, I've gone through what you've gone through, but that's not my resting place. I'm going to rise above this. And so I want to show you how to rise above it. Because I'll bet you that if I had to go around the room, all of you are fighting something somewhere. And you might even be thinking like it's overcoming me and it's winning. I want to try to help you and give you something that you can take away that will get you through this. Are you with me? So my prayer is this. Is that you would find not only just hope but breakthrough this evening. And that you would leave a legacy with the life that God has given you in a way that would tell future generations that it's possible no matter how difficult it is. No matter what you've gone through, it is possible to come out on the other side. And that is powerful when your life talks about what God has done in and through you and it encourages someone else. So here's the key to remember, um, because I never want anybody to feel like I'm minimizing what they're going through. That's not true at all. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter how big it is in your eyes or how small it is in your eyes. It matters to God. It does not matter. You think, but it's insignificant to you maybe, but not to God. Or, but it's massive. You don't understand how big it is. And God says, I see how big it is and I, and I recognize how big it is. And he wants to help you through all these little things. No matter how big or how small, he wants to help you. And so uh, that's why when we come to church, that's why we don't compare resumes. That's why I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not interested. I don't care that one person has been saved their whole life. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care whether you were the biggest drug dealer. I don't care whether you're still the biggest drug dealer. That doesn't make God better in my eyes in your life. It's the same God. In fact, I've told people this before. Uh, we, we In church especially, we're really good at this. We think, oh my gosh, Andrew's life was such a mess. How great is God? that he saved him from that mess. That's, I'm not the benchmark of this. That's not me. I'm not, I don't stand up here and go, I was so bad, I was worse than you, and so I'm, now God has done a better thing in my life. God has done an incredible thing in my life. He saved me the same way he saved you. And my testimony is, I once was an absolute rat bag, and now I'm still a rat bag, but I'm trying to get better. Right, And so I have nothing to prove and I have nothing to boast about. All I've got is what God's done in my life. And that should be our testimony. right? If we make the person with the worst life story the biggest deal, then I just need to understand what are we saying about Jesus? Because he didn't really sell drugs. He, he, he didn't really do anything wrong. So does his testimony, like which one would you trade? Do you want my life or his? 
You can't say, I, I want God to have done something. Maybe if I'd sinned more, something great would have happened. That's not how this works. He saved me, he saved you. He healed me, he can heal you. If he hasn't healed you, he may have healed somebody else. And you need to take hold of the fact that if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. If he, if he saved somebody else, then maybe he can save me. If he helped you with your thinking, maybe he can help me with mine. And if he helped you get through this tough time, maybe he can help me with my tough time. And you hold on to what he can do not what you think he's done. Amen? And so that's not what we do. The one thing we do have in common is this. The world has left its mark on us. And it's my dream and my, my passion to try to get people to the place where they understand that it's their turn to leave their mark on this world. It's your opportunity now to fight back. It's your opportunity to not accept anything that the enemy's done and to say, this far and no further. I know you took something from me. You hurt me in that area. I'm pushing back now. That is not my story. That's not where it ends. Amen? And so, uh, God, there's this incredible dude in the, in the Bible I want to share. Real, like, snapshot. You got, you got it lucky this evening. He had a rough start. And what's worst about his rough start is that that's what he got known for. And I hate that. I hate that. I hate that somebody has a bad start and then we label that person. We call them that thing. We just, we do it. We're like, oh, here he comes, that drug dealer again. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Here we are praying for the person. You're going, well, here he comes again. Right? Or that girl walks in, you go, all right. So we're wearing that to church, are we? Okay. I didn't know that uh, a belt was considered a dress, but fine. And then we automatically, she must be a, she is a, we've got to be careful what we say. We've got to be very, very careful what we say because you're calling that person something that's contrary to what God would be calling that person. And if you're going to call them something contrary to what God is calling, then you're not in line with what God is doing. So what are you in line with? So he's had a bad start, this dude. What I love about him is that he never let his bad start be his story. He used it to motivate him to impact the world. So the story is recorded in Scripture, and as I read it to you, I want you to notice this. It's not his pain that's recorded. It's his victory. And it's not his start, it's his finish. That's amazing. I don't know what your life is like. Some of you have probably had a really bad start, but it doesn't have to be the end. And change is possible. I want to show you how. I want you to leave, uh, I want you to have a life of victory as your legacy. That's why I tell you, keep coming back. You think, but you keep coming back. I don't want to be where you are, Andrew. I know that. I know that. But we're trusting God for other speakers and other preachers and things like that. So it's going to get better. It's going to get better. We're trusting God for more. Remember, he's going to give us more. Amen? You think, I'm, I'm believing God there's going to come some day where, where, where the guys that preach up here don't have to have long hair, right? right? Either Kurt and I are going to cut it or we're just going to raise up another kind of generation as well. Amen? And so it's not his pain. And so I want you to look ahead. And, and so check this thing out. And this is why I'm, I titled the sermon, Don't Look Back. Don't look back. Don't get caught there. Get caught there. Somebody says, but what about there? I don't know. There is behind me. I did this. I asked you guys. Most of you have returned, so I know that you're disobedient. But I asked you a while back, just one time in your life, just drive home only looking in the rearview mirror. 
And I asked genuinely, and I just asked, just this one time that you drive home only looking in the rear of your mirror, and the fact that you came back tells me that you don't listen, right? Which is not surprising at all. But we can't, we all know, it doesn't matter how, how it doesn't matter what I say, I won't get you to do that because in the natural you wouldn't, but in the spiritual we seem to do it. And we know the dangers in the natural, but we just can't see it in the supernatural. And then we, we find ourselves train wrecked up in a tree and we go, I have no idea. I mean, I was just driving backwards and bam, I just hit it, right? The only person I can't trust even in the natural is Eliza. If you've watched her reverse, just absolutely shocking, right? She can't pull that off. But spiritually, I think she's stronger. First Chronicles. Four, and we're going from nine to ten. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain, and Jabez called on God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, and, not, and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him this request. So Jabez is, um, from what we can read, it seems like, the whole birthing process didn't really go to plan. And mom wasn't too happy. And he's, 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 he's not only birthed and she's in pain, she goes through something extreme, So because it's not extreme enough, apparently. But, but he decided that he was going to go to town on mom coming out, right? And he wasn't going to come out nice, and he was going to cause, he's obviously caused some carnage. Mom's unhappy. And so as he's born in this pain, as she's in pain, she transfers that pain that she's experiencing onto him and calls him pain, born in pain. Now, it's when we read it, we think, oh, it's fine. Until you apply that to your life and you start to think, imagine you have a baby, you're like, hmm, not bad, I'll call him Bob. Right? In my parents' situation, Dad, if you're listening, that my mom had me after being pregnant for nine months and had no name. What she was doing for nine months is beyond me. I just don't understand that. What were you doing? You knew it was coming. You were pregnant. You have one job. You've got to name this child. And at birth, she doesn't have a name. That's irresponsible. That's irresponsible. And God's trusted me to her, and she's already not been faithful, right? She can't even name this thing. And now I don't, na- I don't have a name for my cat, so you can, see the, you can see how this is going bad as life goes forward. And so, but imagine, she's gone, oh my gosh, he's amazing. We'll call him, they called me Fred at first. If you hold that against me, find another church. And so he, they called me Fred, but they've called you, and they've gone, oh my gosh, it's a girl. We'll call her Jenny. Fantastic, there's Jenny. And then they look, and they go, oh, it's... it's, it's it's not the prettiest, and it's so chubby, so we'll call it Fat and Ugly. <laughs> Put that on the name. We'll call it Fat and Ugly. So imagine that people are walking around, Bob, how you going? Jenny, how you going? Fat and Ugly? Huh? Doing well? Like, you can't imagine the pain that that would cause somebody. Huh? Good to see you, ugliest sin. Hmm? Like, imagine that. Like, the... Like, I was scared at school that somebody would find something and mock me. We had a girl in our, in our school that's not in my notes, but if she's listening, you're awesome. Her, her name was Ferris. Her last name was Wheeler. That's awesome. Ferris Wheeler. 
If you haven't caught it, I'll get, you know, you'll catch it. It's, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. She was my English teacher. You can tell she wasn't really good at that either. But notice this. Notice this. Notice how hurt people hurt people. That is what you get from a hurt person. You never find someone, as soon as somebody's in a bad mood, they've, they've got to, don't talk to me, slam that bedroom door. They text ugly. They say certain things. They're always, you never find somebody go, man, I've just gone through the worst thing in my life, but I just really want to pray for you. How are you doing? No, they hurt people, hurt people. Jabez, what I love about him is that he doesn't become bitter and twisted. He rises above and he becomes more honorable than his brothers. There, there is something that, that will happen in your life when you catch honor. We don't live in a society where honor is a big deal. And it always seems like you talk about honor and it's like self-serving. Like you've got to honor me. You don't have to honor me at all. You can do whatever you want. But there is, a, there is something that you get with honor in the kingdom. There's something you're going to get with dishonor in the kingdom as well. So you get to choose. You think, yeah, but, my, but you don't understand what I went through. And you think that that gives you the right to transfer that to me. You see the danger here. You think somebody did something to me. And what do you think you're going to do to somebody else? It's that age-old thing. A son grows up watching his dad hit his mom. He hates him and hits his wife. Why? Because that is the thing he focused on. That is the thing he saw. That is the thing he'll become. But he understands honor. And because of that, things change. Now, the problem with what we do is this. Our response is, how could you do that? You've heard it from the people that you're trying to reach out to. How could there be so much pain if you serve a God who's so loving? They're trying to reconcile this. If, if your God was so good, bad things would never have happened to you. And we, we, we fight it on good days, but on bad days, we come into agreement with that. That's true, actually. Where were you? When I needed you the most, loving father, left me for dead there, left me in trouble. How many times I cried out, God, help me in this area, and you just watched me struggle over and over and over again. The tears, I stayed up at night, fighting, felt alone, neglected, left alone. Where was he then? Where was God in those moments? Where was God when somebody was hurting you, when somebody was teasing you, when somebody called you that thing, when somebody spoke to you that way? Where was God in that divorce? Where was God when you lost your job, when you had no money in the bank account? Where is God there? And we all get to this place where we say, actually, where were you? And we start to become dishonorable in the presence of God. And we start to push him away and wonder why stuff is going wrong. And in the worst situation where he's been called this and he's struggling and he's fighting, he chooses to rise above and in spite of my pain, I'm coming out on top. And, I, and, and you want to be disrespectful to me, that's fine, but I'm going to be honorable and respectful to you. You think you can speak to me like that, fine, I'm going to do the opposite to you. You think you can mock me behind closed doors? I'm not going to do that to you. You want to talk junk about me with him and her when you're out at the pub? Go for it. That's on you. But I'm not going to do that. And when you start to rise above, 
that's when God starts to work. We want God to do something, but we will pay no price to get it. You left me like this, you fix me. And it's a dangerous place. Because what's going to happen is you're going to stay in that place. And the very thing you claim to hate is the very thing you're going to become. I hate that God wasn't there for me. Yeah, and that's why you're there for no one. I hate that God left me with no money. Yeah, and that's why you're so stingy. I can't believe that after all I've done, that would happen to me. Be careful. It will get in. It will get in and it will start to do something really ugly on the inside of you. Before you know it, the thing you hate the most is the thing you become. We've all experienced this. If you're over 30, you've experienced this. You've turned to somebody. You've said something. The minute you've said it, you've gone, great. I'm officially sound like my dad. I can remember the first time something came out of my mouth that sounded just like my mother. Russell looked at me and I, he just went, you sound exactly like mom. I was like, man, I am so glad she's no longer on earth. I would die inside if she heard that because I used to fight her on it. Something's going to happen on the inside of you if you don't rise up. But he goes on. And he says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. He knows that God isn't out to destroy him. There's something powerful in that. I know what I'm in, but I know it's not God. I see the struggle, but I know God is better. And enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. Can you see what he's noticing? The thing that's most evil that is coming is that from my pain, I'm going to start to cause pain. I, I, I've been so hurt in church that I start to speak against people. I've been so damaged in relationships that all women are. Uh, somebody spoke to me, it made me feel like I was nothing. That means anyone who resembles anything like that is now the enemy. Instead of saying, man, I can't believe what I've gone through, but I know my God has a great plan and a great future for me. And I'm going to choose to rise up no matter what I face. And I'm going to go again. And sometimes when you do that, you set them free. You set that person free because they no longer have a hold over you. Because people use it. And I'm saying this because there's a lot of you in this, in this place. But, but church is notoriously bad for doing this. We get hurt in church and then we, we find it really hard to connect and, and to, and to re-engage in church. And I understand that. But what we're doing and what we've got to be careful of is, is heal up, yes. But over time you have to recognize that the person who did that to me, if they see that it worked and they break me, they will do it to others. But others looking in, seeing that what happened to me and I rise above and I kept pushing and I kept doing church and I kept blessing people and kept doing all I can do. It sets the next person free. If possible for him, possible for me. If he can get out of this hurt, so can I. If she can break free, so can I. And we have to do it in spite of what is happening to us. We have to rise up and go for God. Otherwise, we give them license to keep doing it. You with me? And God granted him that request. Why? Why does God grant him that request? Because he knows, he understands Jeremiah 29, 11. 
I know the, the plans God has for me, good plans, not evil, to give me a future and a hope. I don't see that right now in my life, which means it's not from God. I'm going to go to God and stand on his word. And when you start to pray in alignment with what he says about your life, everything changes. You look in the mirror and you think, man, I, the thing looking back at me is horrendous. Wow, Andrew, it's just a lot that needs to be fixed, man. I, feel, I don't feel good enough. I feel good looking enough. The older you get, you're like, it's just more of me to feel like, what's going on? But you've got to get back to what God says about me. I formed you. I created you. I've got a great plan for your life. You might look not that great, Andrew, but you're still going to crack on and do some great things. Come on. We can't, we can't go on what we see right now. We have to keep pushing for God. It's amazing what happens when you do. Then he says this. I love this. He says, enlarge my territory. When I first read that. I was like, enlarge my territory? What on earth are you talking about, man? You're a place of pain, and you're worrying about territory. And when I think territory, I'm like, God, would you help me? Would you heal me? I can't take this pain and give me Rockingham. It just doesn't sound right. It didn't sound like, I was like, how much more? And can I have a bigger house? Like, it doesn't make sense what he was asking. And um, actually, your Bible will help you. It'll tell you where to go. I checked out Psalm 18, 36 says this. You have made a wide path for my feet. In other translations, it says territory. To keep me from slipping. And so let me, let me show you what, let me just, with those two scriptures, let me, without being dishonorable to the Word of God, I just want to unpack and read it a different way with the two and see if you can kind of comprehend what he was really praying. And Jabez called on the God of Israel and said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and make a wide path for my feet so that I'm stable and not walking on a knife's edge. Keep me from slipping that your hand would be with me, that you would help me, that you would hold me through this. That you would keep me from evil, that I would not cause pain. I'm so hurt and I'm so damaged that I feel like at any minute I could just go the wrong way. I'm trying to walk this road and I'm trying to stay where I should be and it is so, the line is so fine. And there's so much I want to say. There's so much I want to do. There's so many things I want to clear up about what has been done to me. I want the right story to be heard, and it doesn't feel like the right one has been heard. And I, and I know that God is the judge, and God will deal with this mess, but I don't know that he could do as good a job as me, right? Like, God's not going to turn up with a nine mil, right? I will. And so I'm like, man, I can get rid of them now, and I want to. And I want to cause as much pain and carnage to others as what has happened to me. And I'm, and I'm tired that, of the fact that it always feels like I have to take the higher ground. Uh, wh when is it them that goes through it? When do they get what's, what's due to them? Why should it be? And suddenly you start to see something bitter and twisted start to come into me. And suddenly I'm not working with God because I know that there's more for their life. I'm working against God because I want them to get what they deserve. And he says, I need more territory. I need, a, I need to stabilize here. God, you need to stabilize my feet here. I feel like I'm slipping. And you don't always slip like forward or backward like that. If you're going to slip, you're going off the edge. And your hurt and your pain, if left undealt with, will cause so much in somebody's life. 
And you have to say, God, I'm just going to let this thing go. Like, I can't fix what happened to my mother. I can't, I can't go back in there and redo this. The pain I caused is the pain I caused. But I'm not carrying that with me. I'm not letting her pain become my pain. I'm not letting their pain become my pain. I'm not going to let their shortcomings become my shortcomings. I'm not going to let what they did or didn't do become the thing that stops me from doing or not doing something. I have to clear the deck. I want clear ground. I want wide footing. And I want to be able to run for God. And I want to be able to achieve all that he's got for me. And God bless all those people that try to stop. I can't change what happened but I can change my response to what happened. That's the part that was my mother. You can allow it to wreck you and others, or you can use it like he did to motivate you. The pain, because it's a cycle, you'll see it translate. It just goes from person to person it's, it's like this generational curse, if you want. We don't love that word, but this generational thing that just gets passed down and passed down. Maybe it gets to end with you. Maybe you're the last in your family. Maybe your kids don't need to go through it. Maybe your friends don't need to go through it. Maybe this church doesn't need to go through it. Maybe we could be the kinds of people who don't hurt people. Maybe we could be the kinds of people that stand with them and help them heal. And maybe their healing should be faster in my eyes, but maybe as they trust God, we just trust God with them and allow Him to do what only He can do. What would happen if we start to let this motivate us? I know you've been hurt. And I know a lot of you, like, especially, that's why I'm bringing it up. Church, church is the biggie. Church can hurt you. It can hurt. But don't let them determine your future. You've got to put your trust in God, not in man. And that was a tough lesson for me to learn. And I'm hoping that you would kind of learn from it this evening. Amen? There's so much that I want to show you. I'll show you this quickly and then we'll close. Um, I know if, if, it's, if you're anything like me, it's like, man, Andrew, I... I absolutely, totally understand what you're saying. makes total sense. I could see the pattern. I could see everything that's happening. I got it. The trouble I face is this. When it gets dark and it's at night and I'm alone, I'm not around the right people, this, these thoughts, they just come. Bam. And it's like this wave. don't know if you've ever experienced it. That hurt. It's like a wave. Bam. comes out of nowhere. Right? It's like you're trying to catch this nice wave, and then I don't know if you've ever had it where the wave, the water below you is like, man, you keep going, but I'm just going to hang back. And you just find yourself, bam, you're on the ground and the wave on top of you. And in that moment, you could hear everybody saying, just hold your breath. You're like, man, I'm not holding my breath. I'm trying to stay alive. This wave is just hitting me left, right, and center. I don't know what's going on. And so these waves of emotion come, these thoughts, they come, and they drag you down. You're saying, oh, how do I get out of that? And 2 Corinthians gives you something really cool to hold on to. 10 and verse 5 says this, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does God say versus what you're going through? Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is something I had to learn. A great friend of mine taught me this brilliant, brilliant tactic. He said, when that thought comes, 
You've got to be like a police officer. And you've got to say, hang on, stop. Do you or do you not line up with God? If you do not, I'm going to arrest you. You go into a prison cell. You have no right to be here. You have no authority here. I'm not giving you any room to be here. You just ended, my man. Done. And he said, from there, you've got to begin to shift immediately and begin to thank God for what you do have. And that has helped me tremendously. But, but, I don't, but I don't feel like I'm enough. Hang on, hang on, hang on. God doesn't say that I'm not enough. God says that I'm, I'm more than enough. In fact, he says I'm more than a conqueror. I'm like a king. God, I thank you that I can make it through this. I thank you that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm grateful, God, that I'm alive in the face of unseemingly difficult times. I'm grateful for my friends, for my family, for the word of God. You begin to pray in tongues if you can pray in tongues. You begin to press in. You start to bring up the things that God says about you. You start reminding God. And before you know it, that thought is gone. And you feel like, Andrew, I have to keep doing this over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thought is so toxic, it will try and end you. It's illegal. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it is illegal and it has no right there. Amen. Come on, bow your heads. I want to pray for you quickly. Sometimes you have to process the pain. That's important. Do you have to work through it? Yes. Do you have to allow it to own you? No. I want to quickly read you a list as you sit there. I'm going to ask you if at all possible to not hear this for the person next to you. Selfishly, I just want you to hear this just for you. I, want you to, I don't want you to hear my voice. I want you, if, if at all humanly possible, to hear this directly from God himself to you. Here's 25 things that God says about you. And I'm willing to bet that it will address every issue in the room. When the enemy comes in like a flood, this is what you get to remind him of. I am a child of God. I am a friend with God. I'm justified and redeemed by Jesus Christ. I'm not condemned by God. I've been set free from the law of sin and death. I'm an heir with Christ. I've been accepted by Christ. I have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm no longer a slave, but an heir with Christ. I've been set free. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm, ho I'm chosen, holy and blameless before God. I'm redeemed and forgiven by the grace of God. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. I've been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. I'm a member of Christ's body and a partaker of the promise. I have boldness and a confident access to God through faith. In Christ, my new self is righteous and holy. The peace of God guards my heart and mind. God supplies all my needs. I've been made complete in Christ. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Number 25 is this. God loves me and he's chosen me. He loves you and he's chosen you. And I am so sorry about some of what you've gone through. 
I'm so sorry that you've had to endure that kind of pain. I'm so sorry that people felt like it was okay to speak to you that way. I'm so sorry that they left you feeling so worthless, that they made you feel like you just did not exist, that they ignored you, that they felt like you were just so nothing that they could use you the way they did. I'm so sorry that churches and people felt that they could just drag you down to the place where it's left you feeling hopeless and empty. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. If God would give me a nine mil, I'll go fix the problem for you, but he won't let me fight it that way. But I'm so sorry that it happened. And I'd love to get in the hole with you and cry with you about it. I'm struggling now. But I can't do that. And I have to reach down and say there is more for you. And I'm asking that you would take my hand and that you would rise up and you would find and surge forward and see all that God has for you. I wonder whether you would just be able to, in your heart this evening, just release those people from the hurt and the pain they've caused. Could you just let it go and say, I, I can't carry that anymore. I have, to, I have to rise above. And I know how hard it is. I don't do it every day, but some days I feel like I do it more than once a day. And I want us to be a church that cares enough about people that we don't do that. I'm begging you not to do that to somebody. Do whatever you want, but don't do that. People are hurt enough that don't need that in church. We're supposed to be people who love and who care and are here for each other. When you walk in here, you don't have to pretend like it's okay. It's not okay. But just look through the room because you're not in the room and you're the outcast. You're in a room full of people who are struggling just like you. And God loves you. Father, I I just pray for every person in the room right now. I don't know what people were facing or fighting, that they were so hurt that they felt that they could just hurt people in the room. But it happened. widen our territory, help us to get a stable footing that we don't end up in that pain causing hurt and doing evil. But Lord, rather as we raise our hands to you that you would just say, we'd just say, Lord, just take our hand and help us through this time. Help us through, take us forward. Help us to become people that can actually genuinely care from the place of pain that it's birthed something supernatural in a way that we can absolutely help the world around us. feel to tell somebody in the room, you're not disqualified. It's not over. Not too old. You're not too far gone. It's not over.
And as you trust Him and as you step into this, and as you risk it one more time, because that's what it's going to take, you're going to have to risk it as you do. I just see a new authority that will come over the top of you. And you're going to rise above and, and from your place of pain, many, many people will be set free. Have your way in our lives, Lord. Heal us, we pray. Help us, we pray. Give us the ability to trust one more time. Give us the ability to serve one more time, to care one more time, to make a decision to get planted one more time, to a place where we can just look at the world around us and not become cynical, not become bitter, but rather say, hang on, I have an opportunity to make a difference. Help us to be those people. Let it be that we leave a legacy that once we're gone, the world says, I miss them because of who they were in my life. They were a person of encouragement and a person of love and a person of grace and a person that no matter what I went through, they never, ever quit. Just while we're sitting here, you're not where you should be with God. I just want to pray for everyone and if that's you, while no one's looking around, you just say, man, I've, I've drifted along the way or maybe you've never given your life to the Lord, but as you're here, you realize, I can't do this on my own. I actually, I need to give my life totally, 100% to the Lord. While no one's looking around, would you be brave enough to just say, include me in that prayer? My hand is up, so you're not the first. I see your hand. I see your hand. Great decision. You can pop it straight back down. I'm not here to call you forward. I'm just going to stand here with you and we're going to pray together. And then afterward, if you need prayer for anything, you can come see me. I see your hand, great decision. One more time, then we're going to pray. If it's you, I just, yeah, include me in that prayer, man. I, I, need to come, I need to come back. I'm not letting anything drag me. If that's you, you can just slip your hand up right now. Fantastic. I see your hand. Put it straight back down. There's so much I want to say, but I just feel like God's doing what only He can do right now. Lord, I'm so grateful that you're able to finish what you start. Every person has made that decision here this evening. I just know that you are able to finish what you're starting right now. We submit ourselves to you. We give our lives to you afresh this evening. We say, God, we're here to go to another place, another level. Help us like oil in that water. Help us just to rise up straight to the top. Let it be that the world looks at us and says, if they can, I can too. We give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen, amen, amen. You're still alive? You're okay? You've made it through here? Sometimes it's a good reminder to know that you're not the only one hurting. You don't have to pretend like you've got it together. Just, just be there for each other. Support each other. Pray for each other. That's the greatest thing you can do for somebody. Just pray for them. Amen. You ready for some tea? I don't know why there's so much dust in this place. It's ridiculous. We need to clean. I've got a couple of announcements for you, then you're out of here. Amen. Um, what do we got? Oh, that's the other one. Which one are we doing first?
Oh, service time start changing. Uh, so from September, um, we're going from five o'clock to four o'clock, right? We're going from five to four. For most of us, that's important. For Eliza, she always thought it was four o'clock, so it's fine. She's just gonna should be fine. Um, but we ch- we're going to move the service forward. Um, I've asked a number of people, everyone, especially those with kids, have said, man, that is a really, really, really cool thing for us to do. And we want to do all we can to try and help people, uh, give them the best opportunity that we can give them to be involved and serve. A lot of people say they can't do it because it obviously works tomorrow and, and all the rest. So uh, we're going to bring it forward an hour uh, just so that we can uh, give more people an opportunity to get home at a reasonable hour. Right? And whilst I think that it's pretty weak that kids can't go to bed at 11 before school, you know, parents have a different opinion, and that's fine, whatever, right? We'll pray for them. Um, are we cool with that? And then end year celebration. Uh, every person who just, we just want to invite people. We're going to be able to celebrate um, and, just, and just really look at this and go, we've been alive for a year. We made it for a year. We got through this. And I just want to do all I can to love on you and celebrate you guys and tell you how awesome you are. Amen. So uh, probably in the next week or so, we'll give you the opportunity just to let us know whether you can make it. That would be awesome. Save the date. But if you could make it, that'd be great. Just so that we can make sure that we've adequately catered for twice the amount of people. Amen? Are you ready? Come on, stand to your feet quick. I know I ran over, but I just, sorry about that. Father, I just want to pray for every person in the room. Thank you that we get an opportunity this evening to leave the hurt behind and to walk out of this place different and better. We want to heal up. We want to become more honorable no matter what's happened to us. And we ask that you would show us how to do that every step of the way. Remind us of what we've heard this evening all through the week, that it would become something that we didn't just hear, but it became part of who we are. I pray that you would bless each and every person, their families, their finance, their job, their workplace, all those that they're reaching out to. We just thank you that we're going to see great fruit in their lives, in Jesus' name. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen, amen, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Grab a cup of tea, meet some people. I love you guys a lot. Amen. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at the Link Church, God bless.